sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live right here on this Tuesday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Tons to get to here in our second hour of TMA. We'll check in on the NHL. We'll have tons of conversation about a huge night in college basketball. A marquee night, some of the biggest programs in the sport doing battle in the champions classic in indianapolis this is only november and this is john rothstein joining the show a little bit later on in hour number two before we take that early line approach to nfl week number 11. we start here though with the college sports capsule tuesday night's action that we have a big night of matching of course for tuesday night action there are two teams right now in each of the respective divisions in the MAC, which would be the East, of course, and the West, that have five in one records. We only have two weeks left of this regular season. We're getting ready for the Mid-American Conference Championship game. And right now, out of the East, it is Ohio. Ohio goes on the road tonight, though, to take on Ball State. The Bobcats are a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Ohio has won five straight games to settle in at the top of the East Division. They lost their first MAC game over a month and a half ago against Kent State, but they've also covered in six straight because they were booked as the dog against the Golden Flashes. They have won three of their five games on this streak outright as an underdog and also covered in those two games that they have won as a favorite. Again, they have won five straight. They will be a short favorite tonight, laying three and a half on the road against Carson Steele in Ball State. I bring up Carson Steele specifically because maybe you've seen him over the last couple of weeks watching midweek Maction. He has long flowing hair. He is a very quirky individual and he is the fourth leading rusher in all of college football. He is an absolute beast. He has run for over 190 yards in each of the midweek Maction games Ball State has played this year. And that is reflected in his rushing yards total tonight. It's a buck 38 and a half. But on the other side, Sia Bengura, the running back for Ohio, is also going nuclear at the moment. And the odds makers have caught up. It's one of my least favorite things. We don't often get to bet individual standalone non-Power 5 games that have props out available, certainly on the Saturday slate. But here in midweek action, we do. Sia Bangura has been incredible here as of late. Over a buck 40 last week for the Bobcats. And Ball State has the worst rushing defense in the MAC. His prop... 95 and a half. I might be looking that way. I might like both of the rushing yards props in midweek action tonight. So Ohio is the five and one team in the top spot in the East Division. The five and one team in the MAC West. That would be the Toledo Rockets. They have a two-game lead now currently, but Bowling Green, who they play tonight, is four and two, and they play in the East. So a pretty good MAC team as well. Toledo has been booked as the favorite in all six of their MAC conference games this year. Their first three, they covered. Their last three, they have not covered. They are a favorite tonight, of course, 
in this football game as they host Bowling Green. A substantial favorite north of two touchdowns laying 15 and a half. And Toledo is one of the best offenses in the MAC as well. A total that stands at 50 and a hook. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour, our college sports capsule live right here on a Tuesday on the morning after. Sirius XM channel one. 59 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well i am ben stevens thank you for joining us here live on this tuesday on tma midweek maction we love it maction will lead us in to the college football playoff rankings in the third set of how the committee is evaluating the country in college football to set up the penultimate the second to last saturday of this regular season in college football but college basketball is just beginning it is a huge night in the sport, highlighted by two huge matchups with four of the biggest brand names and programs all across the country in college hoops. Michigan State takes on Kentucky. Kansas takes on Duke in the Champions Classic in one of the best sports hosting cities in all of the country in Indianapolis. And in between those games, we'll get the CFP rankings. But yesterday... We got the updated AP Top 25 in college basketball entering this second week of the season. Not many changes at the top of the AP Top 25, but a significant one near the bottom, or a team you will not see here in the AP Top 25. Villanova, in its first year with Kyle Neptune, not Jay Wright, Kyle Neptune as the head coach, falls out of the top 25 it is the first time villanova has not been ranked since february of 2019 snapping a streak of 60 consecutive weeks and they were a huge 33 and a half point favorite against delaware state last night to start off this second week of college basketball action and they were tested all first half long early into the second before they come back to get a victory but come nowhere close to covering as a 30 three and a half point favorite we will have plenty more in college basketball in just about uh, 17 minutes of time with FanDuel's John Rothstein this is only November but it's a huge Tuesday night in the month of November at the start of this college basketball season but next we go to the ice a check-in on the National Hockey League as we give you some NHL breakdowns live right here on a Tuesday on the morning app come back and join us SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after live on this Tuesday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59 that is the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm all across the sports grid network as well i am ben stevens thank you for joining us here on this tuesday a quick recap around the national hockey league yes some puck talk on this tuesday live on tma as we check in on the action last night on the ice now of course the colorado avalanche hoisted lord stanley's cup at the end of last year as the champs in the NHL. They were booked as an incredibly short preseason favorite to repeat 
as Stanley Cup champions. Nathan McKinnon on one side, of course, they were a squad a season ago. A wagon, as is the term, in the NHL. But it has not been that successful of a start for the Avs this year, here in 2022-23, including last night. An upset for the St. Louis Blues on Colorado's home ice. The Blues win 3-2 to two outright as a big dog against Colorado. Now, this might not be all that concerning. It's one game in the regular season. Things happen. But Colorado is off to an 8-5-1 start, a total of just 17 points. They still sit in third place in the Central Division out in the Western Conference, but the Blues are in dead last right now. That was only their sixth win of the year. They are 6-8-0, oh, only a total of 12 points posted so far this year for St. Louis. So you have the concerning start for Colorado, trying to shift that momentum out west, but it's not really happening so far. The odds makers, though, not overly concerned on what they have seen out of the reigning Stanley Cup champs in the Colorado Avalanche. I mentioned an incredibly short favorite to win Lord Stanley's Cup for a second consecutive season before the year got underway. That is still the case for the Avs. Five to one live right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. That is half the price of the second best team in this market. That would be the Carolina Hurricanes, who are 10 to one to win the Stanley Cup here in 2022-23. So a large difference still, despite the slow start to this season for the Avs. Double the price to Carolina at 10-1 to from Colorado at plus 500. The Boston Bruins, who have the best start of this year, 28 points in total for the Bees. They have the third best number at 11-1. to But it was seemed to be a stacked Eastern Conference as opposed to the Western Conference where Colorado was such a short favorite. Now when you refresh those Stanley Cup odds, three of the five best prices are teams from the West. Calgary, a 12-to-1 number, tied for the fourth best number alongside Vegas, also at 12-to-1. We'll continue recapping a little bit of what we saw last night. The Flames did get a victory over the LA Kings, 6-5 to five for Calgary to start off this season. The Kings, though, a really strong start as well. 21 points, 5 points ahead of Calgary, who is just 7-6-2 overall. LA, 10-7-1. So although Calgary has a much better price in that market to win the Stanley Cup, they only have 16 points to begin this season. So is there value in other places based on the start to this year we say it regardless of whatever sport you are handicapping regardless of whatever sport you are looking at when you look at something like the stanley cup or the super bowl or a national championship market that is a postseason price you have to get to the playoffs to be in contention of that of course based on your regular season performance but it's about how can you perform in those biggest stages once you get to that long playoff run that is a sprint in the NHL there is nothing like playoff hockey it is a different beast to itself so once you get to that point once you get to that brink how do you contend so despite early going here in the National Hockey League and some to some teams that have been surprising to a positive degree some teams that have been surprising off to slow starts like the reigning champs in the Avs it's all about evaluating those markets at 
this moment. Joining us here now on the morning after some for some more NHL breakdowns who can do a much better job talking about anything that has to do with the puck. Anna Dua joins us here on the morning after. She hosts NHL Fantasy on Ice along with our good friend Pete Jensen doing some great work for the NHL. Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this Tuesday and allowing me to ask you questions, the expert here about hockey. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. So, Anna, as I was breaking down at the top of this segment, the Avs off to a very slow start this year. Upset on home ice last night in Denver by the St. Louis Blues, a team that has also struggled to start off this season. How concerned are you at this point by what you have seen out of Colorado this year? I'm not concerned at all, to be honest. I know they're injured. Uh, there's a lot of players on the team that are suffering injuries right now, and I think that's their biggest concern. Their good players are still performing. I mean, Miko Rantanen, he's playing so well right now. He's on a six-game point streak. Had multiple points in five of those six games, so all of the Avalanche guys are still producing. I like our Terry Lekkonen this year. Ever since the Global Series, he's been a player that I'm watching, and so you're seeing these young kids also find their own with the Colorado Avalanche. I don't think there's any concern right now. I think it's just a slow start to the season I mean they played longer than anyone else last year right so just Correct. trying to get rid of that extra burden right now yeah and as I made the point as well the numbers not all that concerned either Colorado still a very short favorite to win the Stanley Cup for a second straight year as we go out west and you look at some of those heavy hitters in the Western Conference how do you evaluate the top of what we have seen so far looking at make playoff odds and looking at their odds to win a Western Conference title as well I believe some technical difficulties there, but we'll look at those playoff odds I was just referencing. Again, from an odds perspective, Colorado's going to be in the postseason. They're a minus 3,500 favorite to make the Stanley Cup playoffs at this moment. That is a virtual guarantee. The Golden Knights, minus 3,000 as well. The Flames, again, slightly struggling as well, despite a win over L.A. last night. Minus 600. And the Kings are heavily favored to get in the postseason with a minus 340 price, but their odds to win the Western Conference looks a little bit different. So, Anna, we're looking at these four teams that we saw in action last night. We got a little bit of technical difficulties there for Anna Dua. We'll hope to have her back on the show in just a couple of moments. Again, looking at those odds to make the Western Conference. As we stay out West, let's go to a game, not that we need to recap now, but a game that we have on the ice tonight. Out in Las Vegas, the Knights hosting the San Jose Sharks. And you can see Vegas booked as a heavy favorite. Minus 265 on that money line, a total at six and a half. When you look at the standings right now, Vegas, the best record in the Western Conference. 26 points to begin this year, 13. 13 and three an incredibly strong start it's why vegas is tied for the fourth best price to win the stanley cup not the case for san jose a five nine and three record this year only 13 points toward the bottom half of that pacific division that vegas heads up right now all right that's enough of me talking about hockey i hope you enjoyed that sorry for the technical difficulties we had there with anna dua she is doing great work along with our good friend pete jensen for the nhl we will get her insight on the ice a little bit later on we're going to talk college basketball here very very soon in just a couple of minutes with our very own john rothstein i say our very own but he works for FanDuel and of course is one of the hosts of college basketball insiders for cbs sports we're going to get into a huge 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 tuesday night slate in 
college hoops. Two, uh, two great games in the Champions Classic with four marquee programs that we will pay attention to all year long. A top 10 tilt between Kansas and Duke. The first real test for John Shire in his time at the helm of this Duke basketball program. We will not see Bill Self. Self-appointed penalties for KU. Bill Self will not be coaching in this game tonight. On the other side for the Jayhawks. And then Kentucky after a huge Monday for the Cats. Not on the court, but getting DJ Wagner, the top recruit in the 2023 class. They will get ready to take on Michigan State. Sparty testing Gonzaga in that game on the aircraft carrier just a few nights ago everything you need to know in the month of only being november in college basketball up next with john rossi we're going to take a little break come back and join us here on tma sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com This is only November, but it is a huge Tuesday evening in college basketball here in the month of November. The Champions Classic tonight in one of the great hosting sports cities in all of the country in Indianapolis. The second week of the college basketball season has begun, which means John Rothstein joins us here on the morning after from Fan from CBS Sports, the hungriest college basketball insider in all of the country here on a Tuesday to preview the Champions Classic and go all around the country. John, to think we were in person together last Tuesday, sharing a couple of beverages at Supply House, kicking off this college basketball season, but it is a beautiful thing to be here virtually together to look at a huge Tuesday night in college basketball. Thank you for joining us. No, it is. And, you know, you use the line hungriest college basketball insider. And, you know, I think that's apropos because I have taken up intermittent fasting to a certain time of the day. And at 1025, Ben, on the East Coast, I got to tell you, I feel like it's sundown on Yom Kippur. (laughs) You're getting ready to go. I think you are going to need to bulk up for a huge Tuesday night. John, let's go back to last night though some great action on the hardwood as well a refreshed ap poll where at least at the top not much has changed north carolina still number one in the country gonzaga remains number two houston number three and john when you look at the cougs a team that has been a perennial elite eight team here as of late under kelvin sampson they're back this year Number three in the country against an Oral Roberts team we all remember for a couple of years ago being that 15 seed making a deep run in March. Houston won last night by nearly 40 points, 83 to 45. The Cougs are the number three team in the country. They're the co-favorites to win a national title right now in college basketball. So, John, I ask you, just how good is Houston? Houston's good enough to get to a Final Four and win a national championship. I think when you look at Houston from a year ago, we have to remember Kelvin Sampson got this team to the cusp of a Final Four, and he did not have two all-conference caliber players, Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark. Marcus Sasser, a potential All-American this season. So those two players are back, and Houston has added a five-star prospect in Jarris Walker. So Houston definitely right at the top of the sport before the Cougars obviously joined the Big 12 prior to the start of next season. 
and the Cougs' odds to win a national championship slightly shorter after last night. Plus 850 now on FanDuel. Gonzaga now the second best price by themselves at 9 to 1. And UNC, John, moving back by $2 in this market. The Tar Heels still the third best price, still the number one team in the country at plus 1,200, but slightly struggling in their opening week of this college basketball season, booked as a heavy favorite in both of their opening games and did not cover in either of those two. What did you make of the start for the Tar Heels to start off this college basketball campaign? Well, there's a shift in the dynamic to Nick, bet Nick, Ben, because I think, you know, one thing we need to look at is anytime you get to the cusp of a national championship and that team comes back in terms of the high percentage of bulk that North Carolina has back in Chapel Hill, the season isn't going to be a success unless you win a national championship. Therefore, it is a battle every day of human nature to be motivated and ready to play at a high level when you know that the season will only be a success if you win a national championship. Another thing to keep in mind, too, it is taking some time for Pete Nance, the grad transfer from Northwestern, to get going offensively, only averaging six and a half points to the Tar Heels two games, has not made a three-point shot. And also, Puff Johnson, who we saw have moments of promise in the Final Four, has not been healthy. So North Carolina needs to rectify the power forward spot, Ben. And the one missing piece for UNC after last year's run to the national championship game, Brady Manick, who death taxes Brady Manick over his three-point prop throughout that run in March. Pete Nance is a very talented player, the transfer from Northwestern, but a very key component that is no longer in Chapel Hill. All right, let's turn our attention to this huge Tuesday night in only November, but still a huge Tuesday night in college basketball. Right. The Champions Classic, John Rothstein. A top 10 tilt between Duke and Kansas. Number seven, Duke. Number six, Kansas. And John, as we can see, reflected in the odds, expected to be a very competitive game. The Blue Devils only a point and a half favorite in Indianapolis tonight against the Jayhawks. John, how do you break down this matchup? Well, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, I was texting back and forth with Norm Roberts, the acting head coach for Kansas tonight, you know, as Bill Self serves his multi-game suspension. Zach Clements is not going to be available for tonight's game for Kansas, according to Norm Roberts, due to a nose issue. So I look right now at a Kansas team, and Ben, we've talked about this, that does not have a traditional Kansas big man in the pivot. There's no David McCormick. There's no Yudoka Azubuki. How is Kansas going to counter Duke's size inside with Derek Lively, Kyle Filipowski, and also Ryan Young, you know, the grad transfer from Northwestern? That, to me, is the million-dollar question. And the one thing I have noticed for Kansas early on studying them on tape is that Kansas's best lineup has been with K.J. Adams on the floor as a small ball five man. So I'm going to be real interested to see if Kansas can defend Duke in the pivot. And also, again, after talking to Norm Roberts this morning, if Kansas chooses to accelerate things and play to their strengths rather than play how it's had success in the past. And John, because of that developed front court for the Duke Blue Devils this year, their defense has looked superb through their first two games, only allowing an average of 41 points per game. Yes, a step up hugely so in competition tonight against KU, but the defense under John Shire has been impressive to begin. Let's look at Kansas, the reigning national champs. John, right now, 
not the favorites to win the Big 12. That would be Baylor, but the Jayhawks still the second best price. Tied for the fifth best odds to make the Final Four and to win a national championship as well. What do you believe the outlook is for Kansas this year on its title defense? Kansas doesn't have what it's had in the past, but Kansas still has enough to compete for a Big 12 regular season title and a high seed in the NCAA tournament. You know, I will say after obviously evaluating these teams, Baylor to me is the team that I picked to win the Big 12, and that's the team I'm going to stick with just because I think Baylor might have the best perimeter in the sport. But Kansas has, again, enough on the perimeter with Dewan Harris, who entering tonight's game, Ben, has 13 assists this season to just one turnover with a talented freshman, Grady Dick, with Jalen Wilson, with Kevin McCuller. There are enough pieces for Kansas and Bill Self when he gets back from suspension to work with, but this is not a Kansas team that is going to play inside out like we've seen so many Kansas teams do so in the past. But, you know, ironically enough, the Big 12, which again has been consistently the best conference from top to bottom in college basketball, has not had a very inspiring start to the season. TCU, which a lot of people thought, including myself, was going to be primed for a breakthrough year after challenging Arizona yeah. in the second round of the NCAA tournament last year, experienced the epitome of brutality last night when it lost to Northwestern State. Oklahoma experienced the epitome of brutality last week when it lost to Sam Houston State. And Oklahoma State lost at home to Southern Illinois, which was part of a multi-year series, so therefore was not the epitome of brutality. But then it was exceptionally brutal. The epitome of brutality obviously necessitates a bye game in a multi-year series. That is not the case, but a damning loss, at least for the Cowboys this year. I was telling John, I was looking through the odds last night, saw Northwestern State as a 23-and-a-half-point dog against a TCU team that had struggled in its opening two games of the year under Jamie Dixon. I thought, ah, can't happen for a third straight time, right? Should have bet on Northwestern State, not just with the 23-and-a-half, well, but on the money line well, as well. I, Go ahead, John. I want to add some context to that, too, just for everybody out there. It should be noted that Damian Ball, who, according to my well-embedded moles in Fort Worth, could be right. TCU's most indispensable player, has not played yet this season. He's serving at three more games in a six-game suspension. And Mike Miles, TCU's All-American guard, did not play last night against Northwestern State due to a wrist injury. So TCU didn't have its starting backcourt. But you still can't lose to Northwestern State at home if you're a team that wants to be viewed as a team to go far in the NCAA tournament. And these early season losses that we're seeing, Ben, like the ones I just mentioned, like the ones we've seen the Pac-12 take, Colorado losing to Grambling, Arizona State losing to Texas Southern, those follow you around like a five-pound dumbbell on your ankle from now until Selection Sunday. And you know John Rothstein is in the gym. He knows not just five-pound dumbbells, but 15, 20, and 25 as well. Those are considered quad three, quad four losses. They stack up on your resume as the committee looks at it. All right, back to the Champions Classic in Indianapolis. Duke and KU is the nightcap. The first game up, two legends of the game. John Calipari for Kentucky and Tom Izzo on the other side for Michigan State. Kentucky, John, a six-and-a-half-point favorite against the Spartans. What are your deeply embedded moles in Indy telling you about the status of Oscar Shibwe, the reigning national player of the year for Kentucky tonight? 
Well, I can tell you this. Trying to get the official word on Oscar Shibwe out of John Calipari between now and tip-off is comparable to getting the code to Fort Knox. So I think if Oscar Shibwe was capable enough to go through practice yesterday, there is no question that I would expect him to play tonight. But this is a team, again, from talking to Kentucky staff in the preseason that feels that they've really improved their length and athleticism on the wings. Iowa transfer C.J. Frederick is going to give Kentucky a big lift on the wings, shooting the basketball, and also defensively Chris Livingston Case and Wallace will add a lot as well that's a dynamic that Kentucky didn't have last year but you know Ben the facts are the facts Kentucky last year was a team in the Big 12 SEC challenge that went to Fog Allen Fieldhouse and trounced Kansas the defending national champions and then lost to St. Peter's arguably in the biggest upset in the history of the NCAA tournament if Kentucky does not make the final four this season will be viewed as a disappointment to everybody in Lexington. But Ben, remember, this is only November. It is only November. Enjoy the Champions Classic tonight, John Rothstein. Thank you. More TMA next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is never too early. I repeat, never too early to look at the lines for the upcoming week in the National Football League. Week 11 is on the horizon. It starts in two days on a Thursday night in Green Bay, Wisconsin, between the Packers and the Titans. And it continues, of course, into our Sunday slate. So helping us to do that right now, live right here on this Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid, it is our good friend, Shannon Somerville, a sports betting host for Line Star, joining us here. No international. Actually, that's not true. There is an international game this week. Monday night in Mexico City. Shannon, I will not ask if you took Spanish class during middle <laughs> school or high school. We'll dive into the rest of the Sunday slate. But it is great to have you here on TMA once again. You just don't want to hear my international accents anymore. I get it, Ben. I get it. I do believe your German accent was the best in comparison to your British accent. If you come back on Monday next week when we preview Monday Night Football, because we do that <laughs> after the Sunday slate is done, maybe we can get some Spanish from you, Shannon, as you break down okay. that football game. <laughs> but let's start with a huge game in Minnesota on Sunday afternoon. Some around the league right now, following the ending of Week 10, with the Vikings' huge win in Buffalo in that dramatic, crazy game that might have been the best of this year and with Philly's loss last night albeit the birds first at home on a Monday against the commanders Shannon there might be some around the National Football League that say hey those Minnesota Vikings they might be the best team in the NFC and yet they're a one and a half point home underdog against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday coming up Shannon an eight and one Minnesota team a six and three Cowboys team and the Vikings are an underdog Shannon please make sense of it for us I can't Ben this is crazy to me how does how did the Vikings go out there to Buffalo beat the Bills come back the Cowboys meanwhile lose to the Packers in Green Bay and now you're telling me the Vikings are home underdogs that is crazy especially since dare I use the word swagger and use Kirk Cousins in the same sentence. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now, a lot of resilience. And head coach Kevin O'Connell is basically saying, this isn't even the best football for this team, which when you look at it, yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, 
this is Kevin O'Connell's first year with this team. They're still kind of evolving that offense. But that's actually one of the things I'm really encouraged by when I'm looking at this Vikings team. It's just their evolution on offense. Earlier this season, they were a little hesitant to kind of just air it out down the field. In fact, Kirk Cousins, through eight weeks, ranked 33rd of 35 quarterbacks in air yards per target, six air yards per throw, essentially. Also in that span, Justin Jefferson had seven targets of 20-plus air yards or more for the first eight weeks. He's had seven over the last two games. Also in that span, Cousins averaging 9.2 air yards per target. That ranks sixth. Mm among quarterbacks so cousins just back there pulling the trigger throwing it to jefferson all you got to do is put it in his area code and he'll come down with it making these cirque du soleil type catches one-handed making the probably what will be the catch of the year at the end of that bills game and he's just been phenomenal for this vikings team according to next gen stats he had nine receptions with less than a 50 percent completion probability against the Bills. That is three more than anyone else has made in a game since they started tracking that back in 2017. Justin Jefferson had 193 yards against the Bills defense that ranks first in pass defense DVOA. Now you're telling me he's going up against a Cowboys defense that just allowed rookie Packers rookie wide receiver Christian Watkins to rack up uh, Watson, rather, 107 receiving yards and three touchdowns. I like the Vikings' odds in this one. What about you? I still look at the Vikings as a team that in these close and competitive games, you have to think Minnesota has found ways to prevail. All seven of their wins on this streak, yes, by single digits. But even last year, 14 of the first 15 games for Minnesota decided by single digits as well. Booking the Vikings as an underdog is an interesting moment. It's only a point and a half, so it's not like this large spread by any means, but it is an interesting move from the odds makers. It will be interesting to see how that line evolves throughout this week as well. So despite the 8-1 and one record, Shannon, Minnesota still has the second best mark in the NFC because their one loss to the Birds, who also now have one loss. And Minnesota still the third best price to win the NFC title behind both Philadelphia and San Francisco. So here we are, Shannon Somerville, following week number 10, firmly into that second half of this NFL season. As you look at the NFC championship odds, what would your best bet be at this moment? Well, I still like the Vikings, given the fact that they're just so balanced, not just on the offensive side of the ball that I talked about with Justin Jefferson. Um, as I mentioned, Kevin O'Connell says they're not even playing their best football yet. So I think the Vikings are still an intriguing op option. I've liked them the past couple of weeks, and I still do. They have the biggest lead in a division of any team in the NFL right now, four and a half games up. Their strength of schedule, 14th, so kind of middle of the pack there. I also like the 49ers. They're just a half a game back from the Seahawks, and they're getting better with Christian McCaffrey. Man, sky's the limit for that offense. They've been kind of working in Debo Samuel now. That offense is going to be absolutely lethal, already paired with a defense that's top five in the NFL. Their strength of schedule as well ranks 25th. That's going by the current win percentage. Toughest stretch, Miami, Tampa Bay, and at Seattle. Right now, I just cannot get behind the Cowboys at all. I talked a little bit about last week about how I just didn't think uh, McCarthy and this Cowboys defense can close out games. And sure enough, it's a tale as old as time. And in fact, it is penalties that has been defining the Mark Mike McCarthy era last year. They led the league in penalties. Right now, they are second in penalties per game. I don't think that's getting fixed. Mm. And that's a problem, especially when you go into a playoff scenario. 
And that's exactly what happened to them last season against the 49ers. Penalties were just racked up. They've now had eight or more penalties in four games this season. Three of those have resulted in losses. Hey, when you shoot yourself in the foot, you can't expect to win in those games. So I'm kind of scared of the Cowboys right now. But the Eagles, I am still high on despite their loss to the Commanders last night. I think we did see a blueprint for how to beat them in basically just attacking them on the ground and going after their weak rush defense. But I do see them as a team that will get better. They are a resilient group. Uh, Jalen Hurts just has this unbelievable attitude, always trying to get better. And I just remember that from back when he transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma and just basically took over Oklahoma as the alpha dog there. I think he'll do the same this uh, this season with the Eagles. Yeah, still very confident in what Philadelphia possesses for the rest of this regular season, even into the playoffs. But now, Shannon, we see the Birds in a situation we haven't seen them this year off a loss they head to indianapolis you know we love our accents here and you also know we love our alliteration so shout out to our associate producer joe frizo saturday's second sunday that would be jeff saturday the interim head coach (laughs) for the indianapolis colts so shannon again a situation we haven't seen philly in this year following a loss what response do you expect to see out of the birds As I mentioned with Jalen Hurts, he just has this unbelievable ability to just face adversity and just be really resilient. I think that will carry over to the rest of the team as well. Although I don't think this this might not be as easy of a matchup as it probably looks on paper. You've got the Colts who rank last in offensive DVOA and their defense hasn't been able to stop very many, although they did have a good game against the Raiders. Now, here's an interesting thing about Jeff Saturday. Why did they bring him in? Well, one of their biggest weaknesses is the offensive line. And you saw that start to get a little bit corrected in their game against the Raiders. And he, so the Colts had their second best offensive performance of the season. When you correct those mistakes on the offensive line, everything starts to fall together. Matt Ryan has a little bit more time. He was only pressured a season low 17% in that game. Also, you start to see Jonathan Taylor putting up numbers. Uh, that he hasn't seen since week one. He had 147 yards against the Raiders. So I don't think it's that easy of a game, but I still see the Eagles coming out of this with the win and covering those points in that game. The line was seven and a half entering Monday night in favor of Philly. Now below the key number of that touchdown, just six and a half. The Eagles moved back slightly in the Super Bowl 57 odds, five to one yesterday, plus 600 today. The Buffalo Bills remain the favorites at plus 380. Buffalo Shannon on a two-game losing skid. In Western New York on Sunday, they host the Cleveland Browns as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Does the losing skid end at two? How does following the loss to the Vikings? Yeah, I do think the Bills bounce back in this one, mostly because I just don't see the Browns' defense able to close out games in this one. Their offense ranks seven in EPA per play. The defense, though, ranks 31st. They haven't been good enough to win games. However, I do have some real concerns about the Bills. The first is the ability to handle those end-of-game situations. This is something that doomed them in the playoffs last year. The Chiefs knocked them out in a late-game situation where Mahomes was able to come back with 13 seconds left and tie the game, send it into overtime. You're kind of seeing same thing, mistakes at the end of games 
And will that be rectified, especially when you go into a playoff situation that's alarming because uh, when you look at teams like the Chiefs, who are absolutely delivering masterclasses and how to finish out in second halves of games and in the end of games. The other concern I had is Allen's ability to protect the football. Three turnovers versus the Vikings. Allen has now had 27 the past 21 games dating back to week nine last season. That is the highest turnover total for Allen in any 21 game stretch of his career. You've, he's faced criticisms before about how he kind of just goes out there playing backyard football and runs into some mistakes. Will he get that corrected? I think these are things that can be fixed throughout the season. However, they're going to have to fix it quickly, especially going up against this Browns team. We know that they're going to run the ball and they have a good offense. So they're going to have to start uh, they will have to start throwing the ball in this situation. And will Josh Allen be able to clean up those mistakes? That's kind of the question that I have. And those are two things that kind of scare me as far as those Super Bowl odds. That is something I'm looking at um, as we head into the second half of the season. The Bills number has gotten slightly longer, both to win the Super Bowl and to win the AFC Championship, but still the favorites in both of those markets, as Buffalo is win the AFC East a minus 180 price but two of the three losses for the Bills within the division to the Dolphins and the Jets both on the road and both by only a field goal but Shannon I ask you can somebody not name the Buffalo Bills take the <laughs> AFC East divisional championship J-E-T-S no I'm just I, I want to as a Jets fan I really want to believe in it. I just, I can't get behind it quite yet. Their defense is incredible. However, I do have concerns about Zach Wilson. Now, the Dolphins are an intriguing prospect, especially now that their defense is starting to play much better than they have been. That offense just looks completely unstoppable right now, and you saw it against the Browns, just how explosive they can be. They just don't seem to be have any weaknesses on offense. Yeah. Where they could run into some trouble is that defense, but I still think that they're quite a threat and definitely contenders for the AFC East, especially since we've seen the Bills regress a little bit. And the Dolphins do occupy that top spot in the division right now with a 7-3 and record. All seven of those wins when Tua Tungabailoa has started and completed a game for the Finns. We do have a divisional matchup in the East, in the AFC East, I should say, between your Jets, Shannon Somerville, and the Patriots in Foxborough, New England, the first win in this season series this year. It has been 13 straight against Gang Green. Shannon Somerville, a sports betting host for Line Star, joining us here to take that early line approach to this NFL Sunday week number 11. Shannon, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you, man. Shannon knows where I'm going next. As we round out the show, our best bet will be midweek action. Two rushing yards props that I love. Stay with us here on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We close out our two hours together. You're live on this Tuesday on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network at Sports Grid, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday. We talked about it at the start of our number two. Midweek Maction 
only two regular season weeks left in the 2022 college football campaign. We are trying to decide the top spots who are going to play in a conference championship game in the Mid-American Conference. Right now, Ohio occupies that top spot out east. Ohio travels to Ball State tonight. It is going to be a great running back matchup where we look at the rushing yards prop. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for a Maction Best Bet. Man, that makes me smile. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. Now, here's the thing. I really wanted it to be Carson Steele. With my heart of hearts, I wanted it to be Carson Steele, the running back for Ball State, the fourth leading rusher in all of the country. He has 1,280 yards so far through 10 games for Ball State. He has had a buck 90 plus in each of his last two midweek matching games. His rushing yards prop is 138 and a half. I cannot get mad at you if you take that against Ohio tonight. But the Bobcats have the fourth best rushing offense, uh, rushing defense, excuse me, in conference play in the MAC. So we look at the other side. Ball State's rushing defense ranks dead last in matching play. They are giving up more than 180 yards. So welcome to the card. Sia Bangura, the running back for the Bobcats tonight. His rushing yards prop is 95 and a half. Last week in a midweek matching game against Miami of Ohio, 20 carries for a buck 45. He's only gone over this number in two of the six matching games this year for the Bobcats, but I think he makes it three of seven tonight. Sia Bangura going over 95 and a half rushing yards against Ball State this evening. The morning after each and every weekday, live right here on SportsWeek. We'll be back on Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm Ben Stevens, and we'll talk to you.